Act Three of Treasure Island, a play in four acts by Jules Eckert Goodman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three, Scene One, in front of Ben Gunn's cave. When the curtain rises, the stage is in darkness. The darkness just before dawn. Then gradually the light comes stealing in turning the black to grey, and until this melts into tones of early dawn, the whole reaching a sort of climactic effulgence with the rise of the sun. Birds and morning fowl are heard in the trees, the whistle of insects, which always ushers in dawn, the call of here and there an animal. There is no sign of anything human, the whole atmosphere of the scene suggesting a place in its primal beauty. Then, suddenly, when the sun has fully risen above the horizon, from the side of the hill which was here, steep and stony, a spout of gravel is dislodged and falls rattling and bounding through the trees. The next instant comes half creeping, half sliding from his cave, Ben Gunn, almost cannibal-like. He looks about hurriedly, and then, reassured, crawls up to a crevice in the rocks from which there trickles a small stream of water lying full length upon the ground, drinks. Then of a sudden he starts as if he heard something. Again reassured, he again stoops to drink. But this time he arises hurriedly and with more decision. He goes quickly to the left and peers through the trees. Apparently seeing no one, he goes to the right and searches there. Then suddenly, with a half-smothered cry, he turns, runs up back and hides. Jim enters almost at once. For a moment he looks about wonderingly. He seems weary and tired, and he is about to go on when suddenly he catches sight of Ben Gunn hiding. All alert now, he stops. My eyes turned instinctively in that direction, and I saw a figure leap with great rapidity behind the trunk of a pine. What it was, whether a bear or man or monkey, I could in no wise tell. It seemed dark and shaggy. More I knew not. But the terror of this new apparition brought me to a stand. I was now, it seemed, cut off upon both sides. Behind me the murderers, before me this lurking nondescript, and immediately I began to prefer the dangers I knew to those I knew not. Silver himself appeared less terrible in contrast with this creature of the woods, and I turned upon my heel, looking sharply behind me over my shoulder, and began to retrace my steps in the direction of the boats. Instinctively the figure reappeared, and, making a wide circle, began to head me off. I was tired, I was tired at any rate, but had I been as fresh as when I arose, I could see it was in vain for me to contend in speed with such an adversary." from trunk to trunk the creature flitted like a deer running manlike on two legs but unlike any man i had ever seen stooping almost double as it ran yet a man it was i could no longer be in doubt about that i began to recall what i had heard of cannibals i was within an ace of calling for help but the mere fact that he was a man however wild had somewhat reassured me and my fear of silver began to revive in proportion. I stood still, therefore, and cast about for some method of escape, and as I was so thinking, the recollection of my pistol flashed into my mind. 
as soon as I remembered I was not defenseless, courage glowed again in my heart, and I set my face resolutely for this man of the island, and walked briskly toward him. He was concealed by this time behind another tree trunk, but he must have been watching me closely, for as soon as I began to move in his direction, he reappeared and took a step to meet me. Then he hesitated, drew back, came forward again, and at last, to my wonder and confusion, threw himself on his knees and held out his clasped hands in supplication. Jim, who are you? Ben Gunn. I'm poor Ben Gunn, I am, and I haven't spoken with a Christian these three years. Three years? Aye, three blessed years. Shipwrecked here? Nay, mate, marooned. Marooned? You mean put here purposely and left alone to live or die? Aye, mate, marooned. Three years agone and lived on goats since then, and berries and oysters. Wherever man is, says I, man can do for himself. But my, my heart is more for Christian diet. Confidentially stepped to Jim. Uh, now, you mightn't have a piece of cheese about you, eh? Jim shakes head. No. Well... Uh, Many's the long night I've dreamed of cheese, toasted, mostly, and wake up again, and here I were. If I get on board again, you shall have it by the ton. If ever you get on board again, says you. Looking toward sea. Yes. Why, now, who's to hinder you? Jim, noticing Gunn's manner and putting on a show of bravery. Not you, I know. Right you was. Now you, uh, what do you call yourself, mate? Jim. Jim. Jim? Suddenly takes hold of Jim's clothing, as Jim draws back, half afraid. Oh, there, there, now don't you be afraid of Ben Gunn. I'm not afraid. That's right. I've lived that rough you'd be ashamed to hear. Just look at these. Indicates his clothing. Rags, tatters, pieces of old ship's canvas and bits of old sea cloth, all held together with brass buttons and bits of stick and loops of tarry gaskin. Now, you look at me, you'd never think I had a pious mother, would you now? Why, no, not particularly. Uh, well, I had. Remarkable pious. And I was a civil, pious boy, and could rattle off my catechism that fast as you couldn't tell one word from another. Fact. And here's what it came to, Jim. Points about the island. And it began with Chuck Fathom in a cemetery on the blessed gravestones. That's what it begun with. But it went farther than that. So my mother told me and predicted the whole she did, the pious woman. But how did you get here? It were Providence that put me here. I've thought it all out on this here lonely island, and I'm back on piety. You don't catch me tasting rum so much, but just a thimbleful for luck, of course, the first chance I get. I'm bound I'll be good, 
and takes him by the arm i, I see the way to confidentially and looking about uh, jim i'm rich jim starting and trying to draw away rich you why rich rich i says but and i'll tell you what i'll make a man of you jim you'll bless your stars you will you was the first that found me and <laughs> suddenly with great change and intensity now jim you tell me true tell you what that ain't flint's ship out there it ain't no and flint is dead with evident relief <sighs> but i'll tell you true as you ask me there are some of flint's hands aboard Worse luck for the rest of us. Not a man with one leg? Silver? Aye, Silver. He's cook and ringleader, too. If you was sent along, John, I'm as good as pork, and I know it. I'm not sent by Silver. Now tell me true, Jim. You, you tell me true. I'm running from him. He and his hands mutinied on us. On who, mate? Squire Trelawney, and Captain Smollett, and Dr. Livesey. Mutinied, you say, Jim? Yes. We had come on that ship to look for Flint's treasure. Eh? Crosses to cave. We had Flint's map. Flint's fist? And where did you get that? I got it from Bill Bones, when he died. Billy Bones dead, too? I gave it to the squire. Somehow Silver got wind of it. He managed to deceive the squire by appearing kindly and— Aye, that would be Silver's way. There was Flint. Barring rum, his match would never seen. He were afraid of none, not he. Only Silver. Silver was that genteel. Well, last night they made a demand for the map. The squire was in a hard way and gave it to them. Flint's fist? No, a false map. Oh, not the right one. No, but I think Silver suspected. He made me come along with them. As soon as the boats grounded, I jumped. Then I ran with all my might through the woods. All night I wandered about, until I found you. And now, sir, since I've told you, won't you help me get back to my friends? Won't you, please? So your squire gave him a false map, and kept the real one <laughs> sits on rock yes <laughs> that's a good <laughs> what what is it you're all in the clove hitch ain't you all in the clove hitch you will help me won't you you just put your trust in ben gunn ben gunn's the man to do it then you'll send me back Gun beckons Jim. Jim sits right of gun. Would you think it likely now your squire would prove liberally minded in case of help, him being in a clove hitch? Oh, I'm sure he would. Aye, but you see, I didn't mean giving me a gate to keep and a suit of livery clothes and such. That's not my mark, Jim. As Jim starts to reply, what i mean is would he likely come down to the tune of say 
one thousand pounds out of money that's as good as a man's own already you can count on it all the hands were to share and a passage home and a passage home the squire's a gentleman a gentleman born not a gentleman of fortune hey jim of course besides if we get rid of the others we should want you to help work the vessel home ay so you would and now will you tell me how to get back to my friends will you so much i'll tell you and no more yes i were in flint's ship when he buried the treasure you he and six along six strong seamen there was a shore nigh on a week and us waiting in the bay at the old walrus one day up went the signal and here come flint his head done up in a blue scarf in a little boat and all by himself by himself but the others the sun was up and mortal white he looked about the cutwater but there he was you mind and the six all dead dead and buried how he done it not a man aboard as could make out it was battle murder and sudden death him against six he killed them all ay billy bones was mate long john he were quartermaster and they asked him where the treasure was ah says he you can go ashore if you like and stay but as for the ship she'll beat up for more by thunder that's what he said but then how how did you come here i was in another ship three years back and we sighted this island boys said i here's flint's treasure let's land and find it the captain was displeased at that but my messmates were all of one mind twelve days they looked for it and every day they had a worse word from me until one fine morning all hands went aboard as for you benjamin gunn says he here's a musket they says and a spade and a pickaxe you stay here and find flint's money for yourself they says marooned you well jim three years i've been here and not a bite of christian diet from that day to this but now look here look at me well do i look like a man before the mast do i no no says you no i weren't neither says i but then just you mentioned them words to your squire no he weren't neither that's the word but i don't understand with more and more significance three years i were the man of this island light and dark fair and rain and sometimes i would maybe think upon a prayer says you and sometimes i would maybe think of my old mother 
So be as she's alive. You'll say, but the most part of Gunn's time, this is what you'll say, the most part of his time was took up with another matter. And then you'll give him a nip, like I do. Pinches Jim in the ribs. What do you mean? And you'll up and you'll say this. Gunn's a good man, you'll say. And he puts a precious sight more confidence. A precious sight, mind you, for a gentleman born than in these gentlemen of fortune, having been one himself. <laughs> I don't understand a word you're saying, but how on earth am I to tell these things to the squire if I can't get aboard? Ah, there's the hitch for sure. Can't you help me some way, can't you? Aye, lad. You put your trust in Ben Gunn. Then will you? Will you help me? Aye. Crosses to boat, right center up. Points to his boat. Here's my boat. I made it with my own two hands. You'll let me take it? Aye, lad. You may take it. And you'll come too. You'll help me reach the boat? Nay, lad. Not Ben Gunn. But you can have the coracle. Then I'll go alone. Here, help me launch it. As he starts to push out the boat, there is heard a salvo of shots. What? What was that? Crosses to rock, center. Shots? Then they've begun the fight already. What shall I do now? Wait. Crawls up the side of rock and peers anxiously in the distance. That wasn't from the boat. Where then? Up on rock. Wait. Suddenly he utters a cry. What is it? Excitedly, looks off right. Oh, look, look, there, what you see? The Union Jack. Aye, lad, the Union Jack, flying over the old stockade as was made years and years ago, my friend. There are your friends, Jim. More like the mutineers. Now. Silver would fly the Jolly Roger, you don't make no doubt of that. No, that's your friends. There's been blows, and I reckon your friend has had the best of it. Then come, come quick. Down from rock to center. Ben follows, holding Jim back. Nay, mate, Ben Gunners fly. Rum wouldn't bring me there where you're going. Not rum wouldn't till I see a born gentleman and gets it on his word of honor. Then let me go. Still holding Jim. You won't forget my words. No, no. A precious sight. That's what she'll say. A precious sight more confidence. And then nips him, eh? Jim, always trying to get away. Yes, yes. And when Ben Gunn's wanted, you know where to find him, Jim. No, where? Just where you found him today. And him that comes is to have a white thing in his hand. And he's to come alone, you understand, eh? Yes, I think so. You have something to propose when you wish to see the squire or the doctor here, is that it? And when, says you... Why, from noon observation to about six bells. Good. 
Now may I go? You won't forget? No, no. Precious sight and reasons of his own, says you. Reasons of his own. That's the mainstay. Yes, yes. Now, please, please. And Jim, if you was to see Silver, you wouldn't go to sell Ben Gunn. While the horses wouldn't draw it from you. No, no, I swear it. Well, then, I reckon you can go. Let's him go, and Jim darts away. Gunn calls after him. Remember, precious sight and reasons of his own. <laughs> Turns to his own cave. Uh, if them pirates camp ashore, there'll be widows in the morning. <laughs> Curtain. Act Three, Scene Two. The Stockade. Upon three sides, wherever visible, high walls of rude planks, spike-shaped at top. At center and back, the front of a log house, with porch and door. Back of house, tall, large trees. At left, too, a wooden gate with wooden bar to fasten it. At several places about the walls, peak holes and gun rests. At center of stage, a sawed-off log which serves as a table, with other smaller logs which are used as seats. The floor is covered with sand. When curtain goes up, Gray, Hunter, Red Ruth, Joyce are stationed at different sides, each with gun to his shoulder, and each peering through a peak hole. On the table in the center stands Captain Smollett, an old-fashioned spyglass to his eye. Beside him stand Dr. Livesey and the squire. Before the curtain rises, there is heard the report of a cannon, fired at intervals. When the curtain rises, reports continue. Blaze away, blaze away. That's right. You've little enough powder left. Squire draws Dr. Livesey aside. We're beaten, Doctor. They have us here like rats in a trap. And Hawkins, the lad was like one of my own. They've got us. We've got to give in, Captain Smollett. We've come to an end. Captain drops glass, surprised. What's that? I am responsible for these men here. I can't see them murdered. I'm willing to do anything. Well, I'm not, and I don't think these men are either. What's that? My lads, you heard what the squire said. Now then, what do you say? Shall we give up, or stand here and fight like Englishmen? Fight, fight to the end, sir. You see, I knew I could count on them. And now I tell you, we are not beaten yet. There's still a chance. For the last half hour I've looked at that ship, and only two have I seen aboard her. Well... As soon as it grows dark, one or two of us will creep down to the beach, row out, and cut that ship adrift. Yes, but how about the rest of that crew of pirates? Not a sound have we heard from them the last hour. That's what I mean to find out. I must know at once where the enemy is and what he is planning. In short, I need volunteers to reconnoiter. Gray and Hunter step up at once. We'll go, sir. Wait. Before you offer, I want you to know the risk. It's life or death. We're ready, sir. Keep to the left, and under cover as much as possible. Try for the woods. Right, sir. Captain to Joyce at Peak Hole. All clear, Joyce? Yes, sir. Off with you, then. Squire, standing in front of gate. If you men succeed, we'll owe you our lives. 
I'll remember it. Hunter and Gray exit. Careful now. I tell you, if we can do this, we'll turn a trick on them. Another cannon shot booms out. Captain, it seems to me it's our flag they're aiming at. Wouldn't it be wiser to take it in? Strike my colors. No, sir, not I. We shall have to do it sooner or later. We're outnumbered three to one, beaten in every way. I'm willing to give them that chart if they'll return young Hawkins to us and let us go. And I, Captain Smollett, I'd see the whole treasure in Davy Jones' locker rather than any harm should come to Jim. Several pistol shots ring out. There is a cry and a call. Hunter and Gray, sir. What? Squire, who has rushed up excitedly. Hunter's wounded. The gates. Quick! They open the gates. Exclamations ad lib. Hunter, supported by Gray, enters. Hunter is badly wounded. The doctor immediately rushes to him. Smollett speaks to Gray. Well? Well? They're all in the woods there, on every side. I got one of them, I think. In your places. To Dr. Livesey, who is bending over Hunter. Is he badly hurt, Dr. Livesey? Yes, very. Hunter, as he takes the water. Be I going, Doctor? Tom, my man, you're going home. I wish I had had a look at him first. Squire bends over Tom. Tom! Tom! Yes, sir? Say you forgive me, Tom, for bringing you along. Would, would that... Would that be respectful, sir? Aye, do, Tom. All right. Howsoever it be, so be it. Amen. Falls back. Here, Gray. Give me a hand. We'll carry him in. Gray and Dr. Livesey carry in Hunter. Then it's my fault. All my fault for bringing him. No time for that now, sir. Those men out there are planning an attack. That's it. Waiting to creep up in the dusk. All the better for us. If we win, yes. If not... Gray and Dr. Livesey return. To Dr. Livesey... Well? He's gone, sir. Poor lad. Poor lad. Aye. And how about the lad out there? With them? We'll know that very soon, or I miss my guess. Ahoy! Those blackguards out there will not catch us unprepared. We're ready for them when they come. Ahoy! What's that? Listen. Log house, ahoy! Log house, ahoy! They all rush to the peak holes and peer out. Silver, as I live. With a flag of truth. What do you suppose? Some trick. They know we've discovered their presence. Then turns to men. All stand ready and watch. The men take their places about the stockade and peer out through the peak holes. Gray, stand by those gates. Gray takes his place at the gates. Wait till I give the word. Ahoy! Loghouse ahoy! Who goes? Stand or we fire? Flag of truce! What do you want with your flag of truce? Captain Silver, come aboard to make terms. What? Easy. It's a trick, I tell you. You come alone? Alone. Dr. Low to Smollett as Gray opens the gates. Find out about Hawkins, if you can. Agree to anything. Make any terms so you can get the boy. Smollett turns as Silver enters. Silver, as gates close behind him. Flag of truce. You respect a flag of truce? If there's any treachery, Silver, it will be on your side, and the Lord help you. That's enough, Captain. A word from you's enough. Looks about. Ah, Squire, the top of the morning to you. 
Doctor, here's my service. If you have anything to say, better say it. Right you are, Captain Smollett. Well, then, we're willing to submit if we can come to terms and no bones about it. What, you— Wait. What terms? That was a good lay of yours, sending us on that wild goose chase with that false chart. It was a clever trick to get us out of the way while you reached here. Only— Well? Won't work twice. I suspected you even then. That's why I took Hawkins. But now, here you are. And there's your ship with the Jolly Roger flying at her masthead. You lost most of your provisions coming here, and I know just about how much ammunition you got. That's our affair. And ours. With sudden fierceness. We got you, I tell you, and you've got to do what I say. We want that treasure, and we want it now. That's our point. Point enough. You want your lives, and that's your point. Now you give us that chart, and then either you come aboard along with us once the treasure's shipped, and then I'll give you my affidavy upon my word of honor to clap you somewhere safe ashore. Sarcastically. Of course we can trust you to do that. Well, then, if that ain't to your fancy, some of my hands being rough, you can stay here and we'll divide stores with you, and I give you my affidavy as before to speak the first ship we sight and send him here to pick you up. Now you'll own that's talking. Turns round to the men. I hope all hands will overhaul my words, for what is spoke to one is spoke to all. And is that all? Every last word by thunder. Refuse and you've seen the last of me but musket balls. Then hear me. If you'll come one by one, I'll engage to clap you all in irons. Oh. And take you home for trial. You will, will you? You can't find that treasure without us. You can't work that ship without us. Look out, I warn you. You need us more than we need you. Oh, we do, do we? You wouldn't stand there and defy me if we still had that boy. If Hawkins hadn't got away, I'd have you on your knees fast enough. Hawkins safe. Thank God. Now bundle out of this, double quick. I'll put a bullet in your back when next we meet. That's your last word? It is. All right, my men are waiting for me to give the word. You'll hear from me in the next five minutes. I'll stave your old blockhouse in like a rum punchin'. Smollett laughs derisively. Laugh by thunder laugh. Before a quarter of an hour's out, you'll laugh on that other side. Turns and looks at the men. And then the die will be the lucky ones. Stocks out. Gray closes the door behind him. Now, lads, I've given Silver a broadside. Pitched it in red hot, on purpose. And before many minutes are out, as he said, we'll be boarded. We're outnumbered. But we fight in shelter. And I believe we can drub em. That's why I put it on so thick, to make em fight. We can stand anything but what he threatened, a siege or being marooned. So let them come, lads, let them come. They all turn to get ready, most of them taking off their coats. Doctor, you take the rear there. As he goes to his position in the back. Aye, aye, sir. Joyce, the south side. Joyce takes his position. Mr. Trelawney, you and Gray will take the north. Joyce fires. What, what was that? Thought I saw something. Captain comes up and looks over Joyce's shoulder. Hit him? Don't know, sir. Wait, easy now. Peers out intently. There, in the trees to the right. Don't you see something moving? Yes. Wait. He's coming nearer. Get ready. Now wait till he gets to the open. Now then, ready, and... Suddenly stumbles back. Oh, my God. It's Jim. Doctor comes rushing up. What? Don't call out. See, to the left. They're watching. Now, ready, Joyce? Shoot to the left when I call. Ready? Ready. On the gate, doctor. The doctor goes to the gate and unbars it. Now then. Calls. 
Jim, come, come now, come, lad. To Joyce. Shoot, shoot, man. Joyce shoots. There is a rattle of musketry from the outside, and then a slight pause. My God, did they get him, did they? Jim comes rushing in. The doctor grabs him in his arms. Thank God you're safe, lad. They almost got me, sir. Where have you been? How did you escape? I'll explain all that later, sir. There's something else you ought to know. I've met a man who's been here on this island three years. Ben Gunn, he says his name is. He seems to have something to propose. A man on the island? I see something moving, sir. Get back to your places. Doctor and Squire go to their places. Jim, you go into the house. Get under cover. No, sir. I'll stay here and help you, sir. I think I see them over here, too, sir. Aye, and here, too. And here, sir. Then it's from all sides. They're getting ready for a charge. Now hold steady. They're starting. Save your ammunition until they reach open. Have they come? Then let them have it. There are cries and shouts together with shots from the outside. Those within the stockade return the fire, while Jim and Smollett are busy loading and relaying muskets. I got one of them. And I, sir. Four of them, on this side. They're making for the wall. Shoot! Keep them away. Don't let them over. At em, lads! The sounds have increased. Cries, curses, and musket shots are heard. Look out there! You, Redruth, over your head! Above another pirate's head, there appears a pirate with a red kerchief over his head and a knife in his mouth over man's head. Man shoots and the pirate falls. That's it! Three pirates led by Anderson break over the wall. The fight now is a running one, both within and without the stockade. You, Squire, Gray, back in the house, lads. We'll fight them there. One pirate rushes at Red Ruth and stuns in fight. Another rushes at the doctor and forces him to flee. The fight is going very much with the pirates. It is now a running fight about the house, with cutlasses and pistols. For a time, it is heard rather than seen, for it is behind the house and within it. Then suddenly from one side of the house, there comes running, Anderson, cutlass in hand. Anderson, rushing forward. Oh, man, don't leave one of them, not a one. Suddenly, Jim comes rushing from the side opposite Anderson and runs full tilt into him and is caught. So, it's you, you young rascal. Well, here's where we settles with you. Oh, let me go, let me go. Let you go? Aye, here is where you go a long, long ways, lad. He raises his cutlass. Jim shrieks. Then suddenly there is a pistol shot and Anderson falls. Gray comes running around the corner. I was just in time, lad. From the back of the house and inside, there come running the pirates pursued by the doctor, squire, and Smollett. The pirates make for the wall. After them! Don't let them get away! Don't let them escape! Suddenly, one of the pirates upon the top of the stockade turns and fires deliberately at Smollett, and Smollett stumbles back and finally falls. Captain, you're wounded. Now listen, quick, before they can reach the beach. Beat them to the Hispaniola and cut her adrift. The tide will carry her to the North Inlet. Once there, and you've got them, I tell you, you've got them. Go, go, quick. Save the ship. I'll go. No. No, Jim. The captain said to save the ship, and I'm going to do it. Curtain. 
Act Three, Scene Three. The Hispaniola tossing at sea. The ship is in motion, but evidently not under control. She is under her mainsail and two jibs. The sails droop at times and then fill with the report of a gun. The tiller spins round from side to side. The boat tosses and pitches as the sea runs high. Two men, Black Dog and Hands, are seen upon the deck of the ship, locked together in deadly wrestle, each with a hand upon the other's throat. Finally, they separate for a moment, and then knives flash. Black Dog, by a quick movement, wounds Hands in the leg. As he starts to follow up his advantage, Hands turns quickly, catches Black Dog by the neck, and holds him back against the rigging, his knife at his throat. Both are drunk. Hands, as he gets his wound, Oh, you, you would, you would, would you? Now then! The boat lurches. At the same instant, Hands makes a lunge and catches Black Dog. Now then, speak! You set the ship adrift, you did! Say it! Say it! Struggling. No, no! You'll never tell that to Silver. Now, for the last time, say it! Say it up! No! Then there! Stabs him. You'll never tell Silver. Shakes him again and again as he speaks. Ugh! Throws him from him. Tries to stumble over the deck, but is forced to catch the rigging of the mainsail. What's this? By thunder, he's got me! He got me! I can't see! What is it? Growing more and more terrified. I've gone blind! I've gone blind! Sinks back in the rigging, trying to hold himself up, apparently in a faint. For a moment there is silence while the boat tosses from side to side. Jim appears, climbing over the side of the boat. For a moment he looks about, timidly and afraid. Then he calls. Ahoy! Shipmates! Ahoy! He waits for an answer. When he gets none, he scrambles down on deck and, with pistols drawn, goes carefully over the boat. Finally, he sees O'Brien dead and Hans apparently dead. He starts back. Oh! Dead? As he starts away, there is a groan. Jim turns quickly. He is very frightened. With a cry, he rushes out and on the companionway. He comes back almost at once. Gone! All gone! I've got the ship! I've got the ship! He turns to go to the tiller. If I can only sail her. As he hears a groan, Who's that? He waits for an answer. When he gets none, he stands fearfully waiting. Again a groan. Answer! Answer or I fire! Oh! It is well, Hans, lad. So it's you, Mr. Hans. My shirt? I'm dying, dying. I can't move. See that you don't, for the first move I shoot. And where might you have come from? I have come to take possession of this ship. As Hans laughs. So, Mr. Hans, you'll regard me as captain until further notice. Wickedly. Captain, A. Eh? Jim, presenting his pistols. Is it understood, Mr. Hans? Aye, it's understood. Then first we'll strike those colors. Pulls down the Jolly Roger. There, God save the king, and there's an end to Captain Silver, too. Throws flag overboard. Will you tell me how you might have come aboard? All night have been below in a little boat. It was I who cut the ship adrift. You? And I killed him there for it. I'm gonna... You've been drifting all night. I'm going to beach this ship, at the north inlet, where we can get off the provisions, 
and where Silver will never find her. All alone, eh? Yes, alone. Ever sail a boat, mate? I'm going to sail this one, with your help, Mr. Hands. Oh, with my help, is it? Just so, Mr. Hands. Now, I'll make a bargain with you, Hawkins. Captain Hawkins. Captain Hawkins. This leg's bleeding. I'll die, I will, if you don't give me a hand. Give me a kerchief to tie my wound up and some food and drink, and I'll tell you how to sail her, and that's about square. You know where the North Inlet is? To be sure. You'll take her there? Aye. Mind, at the first sign of any treachery from you. I'm no such fool. Go below and get me some brandy. No. But you said... First the boat. Smart lad. Take no chances. Well, have it your way. Take a haul on the mainsail there. Jim goes to the mainsail and pulls at the ropes to make her fast. Hold it tight. There. As Jim works, Hans seems always to be growing stronger and wilier. She'll sail under the mainsail alone. Now put your helm hard, Lee. Hans becomes more and more active while Jim's eyes are upon steering. He surreptitiously tries and is able to move back and forth. It's a narrow channel. You'll have to feel your way. She's safe so far. You're doing fine, lad. Couldn't do better myself. And now, come here. Comes up. What do you want? A little drop of brandy. I've earned it now. All right, I'll get it. You sure the boat will be all right? She'll hold steady. All right. Jim enters cabin. Hands crawls to knife, hides it in his bosom, and returns to former position as Jim returns. I couldn't find any, not a drop left. Jim, I'm for my long home lad, this time, and no mistake. Come here. As Jim comes a step nearer, Hans places his hand in his jacket where he has concealed the knife. Jim, startled, draws his pistols. None of that. Take your hand out, take it out, or I'll... Hans, draw out his hand with stick of tobacco. Just get in my tobacco. See? Will you cut me a junk of that? I haven't a knife. Throw it here. Hans throws him the tobacco, and he starts to cut it. If I were in your place, I'd be thinking of prayers and not tobacco. Why? Tell me that. Why? You've broken your trust. You've lived in sin and lies and blood, and you ask me why? For God's mercy, that's why, Mr. Hans. Jim gives him back the tobacco and goes to the tiller. I can see the beach from here. Hold that mainsail a notch. All right, lad. All right, sir. Hands now, knife in hand, has worked up back of Jim. Jim, holding the tiller, has not noticed him. But the moment that Hands throws himself forward with a cry, Jim suddenly sees him and throws himself aside to avoid the blow. As he does so, he lets go the tiller, which springs back and hits Hands across the chest, stopping him. Before he could recover, I was safe out of the corner where he had trapped me, with all the deck to dodge about. Just forward of the mainmast I stopped, drew from my pocket my pistol, though he was once more coming directly toward me. Stop, stop, or I fire. You little rat! I've got a score to settle with you! Starts forward. Stop! As Hans still comes forward. Stop! As Hans still comes forward. Stop! Well then, take it. He pulls the trigger. The gun doesn't explode. Hans, with a cry of exultation. Aha! 
so the guns don't go off. Never thought to prime em, my fine captain. Now then, my brave lad, you're going to save the boat, are you? We'll see. We'll see. Meanwhile, Hans has been approaching, and Jim has been fleeing. Wounded as he was, it was wonderful how fast he was. I had no time to try my other pistol. One thing I saw, I must simply retreat before me, or he would speedily hold me boxed in the stern. I placed my hands on the mainmast and waited, every nerve stretched. Seeing I meant to dodge, he also paused, and a moment or two passed in feints on his part and correspondent movements on mine. It was such a game as I had often played at home about the rocks, and I thought I could hold my own at it against an elderly seaman with a wounded thigh. Well, while I stood thus, suddenly the Hispaniola struck, staggered, ground for an instant on the sand, and then swift as a blow, canted over on the port side, till the deck stood at an angle of about forty-five degrees. We were both capsized in a second, and both of us rolled about together into the scuppers, but I was first to foot again. The sudden canting of the ship made the deck no place for running, and I had to find some new way of escape. Quick as thought I sprung into the mizzen shrouds, rattled up hand over hand, and did not draw breath until I was safe on the cross-trees. As they play a sort of grim hide-and-seek, he makes a movement and misses Jim. By thunder, if this leg were right, it would be quick work for you. But I'll get you. You'll not get out of this corner. I've got you now. I've got you. As hands almost corners Jim, the boat strikes and they are tumbled together. Jim scurries to the mainmast. Not yet, Mr. Hands, not yet. Scurries up the mainmast. If that boat hadn't struck, I'd have had you. And I've got you now. You can't get down. I've got you up a tree, mine fine captain. Jim draws other pistol. I still have another pistol, Mr. Hands. It is not like the other. This one is primed. Another step and I'll blow your brains out. Stops. Eh? Drop that knife, Mr. Hands. Drop that knife. Drop it, I say. Drop it? Very well, lad. Suddenly hurls the dagger. There, take it. With a cry, as the knife strikes him in the shoulder, turns away. Oh! Then, as Hands with shout makes toward him, he pulls the triggers on the pistols, and Hands, with a cry, pitches forward as Jim lets fall the pistols. With an effort, Jim, crying out under the pain, finally wrenches his shoulder free, and then tottering and almost faint, he cries, The stockade! Now for the stockade! Curtain End of Act 3